You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. Today's Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For though the... For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Well, what a spicy start we have to today's Bible reading. Our author, Paul, says, When Cephas, otherwise known as Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. What we have here, right at the beginning of this passage, is two of the most famous, most influential Christian leaders in the history of the world, Coming into conflict, it reminds me of primary school when two people were getting into an argument, the crowd would gather around, ready to start chanting, fight, 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 fight. This is a standoff between two of these famous Christian leaders. Now, as far as we know, there was no actual fisticuffs, no one got into a punch on, but there was this very public conflict between these two significant leaders. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. What was the source of the challenge from Paul to Peter? Why was it so important and why was it so intense? Now to understand that, it's worth learning a little bit about Peter and Peter's backstory. It's gonna really help us to understand the source of the conflict. You see, Peter, he was a Jewish man uh, and a follower of Jesus as well. Now, the Jews, uh, they followed the Hebrew Scriptures, the section of the Bible we would now refer to as the Old Testament. 
The Jews were God's people. Uh, He'd chosen them especially and given them laws to follow as his people. And these laws would make them distinct uh, and help them to be obedient to him. So what happened over time was as the Jews were keen to be obedient to God's law, they started to build extra customs and traditions around those laws. They sort of, in a way, added extra things there to help them be extra obedient. And it got to the point where in Paul and Peter's time, that basically meant that the way things were was that Jews really didn't interact with non-Jews very much because they felt that they risked breaking the law by doing that. They'd risk becoming sort of spiritually unclean or impure by doing it. And so you see this word pop up in the Bible a fair bit, the word Gentiles. That just means non-Jew. So if you see the word Gentile, it means a non-Jewish person. And so Jews and Gentiles didn't mix much in in this, this period in history. They certainly didn't eat together because that would certainly risk the Jews becoming impure through some of the food laws that God had given them. But the thing is, after Peter had started following Jesus and Jesus' time on earth had ended, he died, he'd risen again, and he'd ascended, uh, Peter had this incredible experience. He received a vision from God that said, Peter, this way of the Jews being separate from the Gentiles, that's come to an end. I don't want the new um, Christian community, the, the church community to live like this. Everyone is to be together. No one, no group of people is to be considered impure or unclean. It was a significant, profound vision that Peter received. And as soon as that vision finished, God miraculously organized for him to meet with a Gentile Roman called Cornelius. Now, this is all written down for us in Acts chapter 10. And I encourage you to go and read the story for yourself in full. But fast forwarding to the actual meeting, in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, Peter says to Cornelius, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And then he goes on to make a speech to Cornelius and his Gentile friends about how God does not show favoritism and that his love is available to everyone, everywhere, through the loving acts of Jesus. And then the story of Acts, if you continue it on, is Peter taking this message basically to the world. So that's Peter's backstory, right? That's the experience that he had, and that's what he believes, that God does not show favoritism and that God's love isn't just for Jewish people, but for Gentile people as well. But then we come to this story in Galatians chapter 2. Well, not this story, but this letter that Paul wrote about this argument or this confrontation he had with Peter. Let's have a read of it. Uh, He says, For before certain men came from James, and James was uh, living, working in a very Jewish area, so we assume these men are are Jewish people, Um, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So Peter, acting out what he knew, that God didn't show favoritism, he's eating with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Uh, 
Now, in our previous couple of talks, we've talked about the circumcision group and who they were, what they were on about. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it today. Quick summary is that they were followers of Jesus who had taken the gospel, had taken the good news about Jesus, and added to it in an unhelpful way. They'd said, do you know what? What Jesus did is good. What he'd achieved is good, but it's not enough. For God to really love you, for God to really accept you, you need to do these Jewish customs. You need to add to what Jesus has done and do some religious stuff as well. And that was the problem with the circumcision group. And Paul's already criticised that teaching um, earlier on in the letter of Galatians. Anyway, so Peter's been influenced by them and he started to separate himself from the Gentiles and eat with this new group. But it gets worse than that because in verse 13, the other Jews joined Peter in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, who was a close friend of Paul, was led astray. So it's not just a personal problem for Peter, but because he's such an influential leader, he's basically the leader of the worldwide church uh, in those early days, uh, he's causing other people to go in the wrong direction as well. So this is the cause of the confrontation. This is why these two clash publicly, or at least Paul gets in the face of Peter in front of other people. Now, is this the best way for Paul to confront Peter about it in front of other people, like a public sort of face-off? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you, you know, there's some teaching of Jesus that might suggest a better way of doing it. I don't think the point of this passage is the best way to confront someone is to do it publicly in front of everybody else. The point is it did happen. And obviously for Paul, it was it was urgent. This needed to be addressed. This is not a small issue. This is not something that can be wait, that can wait. He felt you know, that he needed to address it straight away. And the reason is adding things to the gospel, adding things to what Jesus has done, just is not on. It's like one of the, the very worst things you can do uh, to, to lead people astray in this. So in verse 16, a per, he says, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He's made this point earlier in the letter. He makes it again here. He'll continue to make it. When you're justified, that means you are made right in the eyes of God. Any guilt that you might have had is removed. How? By Jesus. The actions of Jesus is how we are justified. It's not what we do. We don't justify ourselves. Jesus is the one who justifies us. It's grace. It's God's grace that is the solution. Grace is a loving gift that is given even though it is not deserved. Grace is awesome. <laughs> this is what is at the heart of what we believe as Christians. So think about it like this. You've got a, a Christian community based on grace given to us by Jesus, uh, brought to us by Je Jesus through Jesus. And then you have this group come in and separate that community into two. Basically saying, well, actually, we're the ones who are really accepted by and loved by God because we're doing these religious things and doing these customs and stuff. 
and you're not really because you're not doing them. What's that actually going to be saying to that Christian community? It's going to be saying that grace doesn't matter, that what Jesus did, it's kind of irrelevant because you still need to do this other stuff. You know, it's it's actually dismissing (laughs) the whole heart of the Christian faith by breaking this group into two and and saying we need to do these other things. And so rightly, Paul is speaking against it. And do you know what? Peter agrees. Peter is still a, was still a grace man. He hadn't changed his beliefs. He just he's changed his behaviour. At this point in time, his beliefs and his behaviour, they weren't matching up. They were off. And that is something that I can relate to and I'm pretty sure you can relate to as well. We all go through periods in our life where unfortunately what we believe deep down is just not really lining up with the way that we're living. My wife and I years ago, we got invited to a 21st party and uh, it was a great uh, honour because we didn't really know the person for a long time. You know, we'd only known them for a short time, but got invited to the 21st, that was great. And so we turned up and... Uh, said happy birthday and, you know, spoke to the birthday girl for a while. And then, of course, they're very busy and there's a whole bunch of people turning up. And so we stopped talking to them. And then we looked around the big room that they'd hired and we realised, oh, we don't know anyone else here. Like we know the name of one other person and that's it. So you look around the room and you go, everyone else is in groups. As often happens at these parties, you know, you have like, there's the school friends and there's the work friends and there's the Monday night mixed netball and there's the family and the family friends. If it's a Christian party, you can probably pick the the church friends. And maybe there's the person who's part of several groups and they can sort of move around. But otherwise, the groups often don't mix together. (laughs) You know, that tends to be the way. Um, uh, parties tend to be better if they do mix together a bit, but unfortunately it doesn't happen that often. And so we found ourselves in a very socially awkward situation where it's like, oh, are any of these groups going to accept us? Will we be welcomed by any of these groups at the party? And suddenly I had this deep desire to belong somewhere, uh, you know, in this social situation. And we all have that. We want to be part of groups. We, want, we have that desire to feel that we belong. Uh, another group that we were a part of uh, was a group of Australians who went to Egypt and we uh, got to be part of a mission um, exposure trip. So this is where we basically went to different parts of Egypt each day and met people who were just doing amazing work um, helping local communities in Egypt and uh, just doing incredible stuff. Now, of course, it was a very international experience. There was um, lots of different accents, Arab accents, European accents. So we're all speaking English, but we really had to work, they had to work hard to understand our Australian accent. We had to listen hard to understand them. And of all the cultural differences that were there as well, there was a lot of concentrating to understand and to communicate with each other. Had an amazing time. But then one day we met 
an Australian guy just accidentally in the street. He happened to be a Christian and doing some missionary work in Egypt. And he invited us to his place for dinner and to meet his family. So we accepted and we went round and we just had the best time. After three weeks of really having to listen carefully and concentrate hard to understand the people we were with, it was so nice just to sit and talk to other Australians in Australian accents where we understood all the cultural references, where they cooked Australian food that we knew wasn't going to be too spicy for us. It was just really very, very easy and relaxing. We had a great night. Now, please hear me clearly. The other experiences we had with other people from all over the world were fantastic. Incredible experiences, wonderful people. But what that night showed me was Gee, it can be easy to hang out with people who are similar to you. It's just easier. Let's be honest. When they're really similar to you, it's easy. And so I'm thinking about Peter. And can I relate to his situation? Absolutely. Because these Jewish guys come in to join him, and he's Jewish, and they speak the same language as him, probably got the same accent as him. He might even know some of them from back in the day. Same cultural background. Of course he's going to find it easier to hang out with those guys. He's going to feel that pull to hang out with the Jewish crew rather than the Gentiles who'll be very different to what he's experienced. He's never hung out with Gentiles up until very recently when he's become a follower of Jesus. Up until then, he'd avoided them. So of course he's going to find it easy. And I can understand he would have felt a pull towards that group. But Paul's observation in the letter seemed to go beyond it just being easy. It's more than that. Maybe that was a playing a part of it. But actually, he goes deeper than that. He doesn't say that Peter was racist towards the Gentiles or that he was somehow arrogant or ignorant. Now, what does he say? In verse 12, this is Paul's observation of why Peter separated himself. He began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. Now, I think this is, again, something that I can absolutely relate to, and I imagine you can too, that there is a certain level of fear in leaving the comfort of our group, the group that we feel comfortable in, or inviting others from outside the group in. We think to ourselves, I won't invite that person into this group. I think that's going to be too risky. That may cause problems. If I invite them in, they might be too nerdy or their English is not going to be good enough. They speak in broken English. It's not their first language. They're not going to be able to fit in. Or Maybe they're not really educated enough. Or maybe they're not wealthy enough or they're too wealthy. If I invite them into my group, they might embarrass me. They might embarrass me. I fear the cost to me by including them. Or if I'm going to leave my group and try and be part of other people's lives, that I might not be accepted. There's going to be a cost to me there and I fear that. Peter probably had in his mind, 
I'm thinking, you know, oh, I've been told that, you know, my whole life that Gentiles are spiritually unclean, that they're spiritually inferior. I know that they're not. <laughs> Jesus has shown me that they're not. I had the vision, the whole thing. Uh, I know that they're not spiritually unclean, but I've got this baggage from my upbringing, which is pulling me. And he might have been grappling with that. For us, we might be thinking, gee, if I, you know, if I just, you know, if I invite people in or, or start hanging out with people who are a bit different, will people at my church think I'm not a good Christian? So fear is not just that awkward stuff that you might feel at a 21st party when you don't know anyone, although there is some fear there. It can go a lot deeper than that and it can really delve into shame. Now, here's the good news. This does seem like it was a blip for Peter. It's not like he continued on in his life with this mismatch of belief and behaviour. It actually seems like he responded well to Paul's uh, confrontation and uh, went back and uh, realigned his belief and his behaviour so that they they were uh, you know lined up really well. And uh, he continued to, to value Gentiles and believe that God doesn't show favouritism between groups of people. And I'm sure that he would agree with the words of Paul uh, as we read them in verse 20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And wouldn't it be great to take that idea of Christ living in me? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit that Jesus sent into the world living in you. And to remember that in a situation where people are split into groups like a party and go, well, what does it look like for me to be someone who has Jesus living in me? Jesus didn't show favoritism to any group. He didn't split people up into our people and those people. He didn't show favoritism. And this is really important. We do this all the time as human beings. There's us and there's those people. But when it comes to the Christian faith, there is no those people. That's not the way of Jesus. Any sense that we're doing that in Christian community, we need to resist. We must resist the idea that there's us and them, our people and those people resist that. That is not the gospel. That is the opposite of the gospel. That was what this fight was about in this passage. It's what Paul's writing about here. That's what he was challenging Peter on. And we know that Peter corrected his ways. So if you're watching today and you're checking out Christianity, you're considering becoming a Christian. It's good to know that it's available. It's definitely available to you. It's available to every single person watching anywhere ever. And so the love of God is available to you. And a, a loving relationship with God through Jesus is available to you. And just know that if you accept that and you enter that relationship, you're embracing the love of God and the grace of Jesus not just for yourself, but for everyone else as well. Not just for you and a select group of people, but for absolutely everyone. 
I was recently had the privilege of doing a, a conference for Christian ministers, Christian leaders. And it was an Asia-Pacific conference, which in the time of the pandemic means it was on Zoom. And look, we, we learned some great stuff. We had some great content. Teachers did a great job. I reckon the highlight of the conference for me was just being in the online presence of other normal Christian people from around the world, people from countries like Bhutan, Nepal, uh, Japan, India, and seeing that Jesus is absolutely at work in their lives. He really is. The spirit of Jesus is in people all around the world. His grace is at work in people all around the world, not just here in Australia. It's not just an idea. It's a reality that we can embrace. That's what the fight in this passage was about. <laughs> it's really... It's a really good thing to have a fight about. It's a really good thing that they had that confrontation because it's the heart of what we believe, that the unconditional love of God demonstrated powerfully to us through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus is available to absolutely everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.